Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. You're here today with Kara Williard and Kristen Sinat here. And you can check out everything else we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, this week's episode is a fun one, everybody. We got to chat with Leslie Baker-Brown, who is a pretty big deal, not only in the women's ski world, but also within the ski industry at large. She talked us through her impressive ski background and what 32 years of working for Technica has looked like. The focal point of the conversation was talking about her founding the Women to Women program, which has become a model for the ski industry when it comes to building products for women and by women. But the Women to Women program goes far beyond the product side. Leslie touches on the four pillars of the program, which includes things like scholarships for education and community building. Yes, Leslie is quite the inspiration. We had a great time talking to her and we know you're going to love this episode. So this episode is brought to you by our recommended shop, Black Sheep Sports. Black Sheep Sports is the premier free ride shop in Munich, Germany. Owner Sebastian Steinbeck has spent the last 10 years cultivating a ski gallery of the best boutique free ride and touring skis from around the world. The selection of skis at Black Sheep Sports is impressive and includes over 60 models of skis from brands like Moment, Armada, G3, RMU, Bomber, and more. And they have over 80 different models of ski boots to choose from and Masterfit certified boot fitters to help you find the right boot and to dial in the best fit. Black Sheep Sports is open Tuesday through Saturday, and while walk-ins are welcome, we recommend you make an appointment online if you plan to buy skis or boots. Appointments are required for boot fitting services. Go to blacksheepsports.de to book your appointment. From an impressive selection of boutique skis to excellent boot fitting and Bavarian beer, Black Sheep has it all, and they are definitely worth a visit. And before we get going, one more thing is our Blister Summit. I think most ski mountains have already seen their first snowfall, and opening day is just over a week away for many of them, including Crested Butte Mountain Resort, which has an impressive snowfall year-to-date so far, I believe, Kara. Is that correct? Yes. Should be a good opening day, and the season is looking to be off to a good start. And with the season starting, that means our upcoming Blister Summit is just around the corner. Uh, The summit is February 12th through the 17th. On February 12th, that is not a ski day. That is when we will have our welcome session. So that's your travel day. You'll get there, be there by about 5 p.m. And that's when the fun's going to start. Demo for inbounds and backcountry skiing. Dawn Patrol. We're also going to have that each day. That's February 13th, 14th. 15th and 16th and we'll also have nightly panel sessions each one of those days we are also going to be hosting movie nights after the panel sessions and have some other exciting sessions and events planned during the summit that we'll be announcing soon when you are booking your accommodations don't plan on leaving until february 17th so you want to go february 12th through the 17th february 17th will be your travel day to depart crested butte Leslie Baker-Brown, as we mentioned, she will be at the summit. Chris Davenport will be here. Hoji will be here. Karen and I will be there. You should be there too. So head to our website to register or to our show notes for a link to registration. Blister members get $50 off registration. So might as well become a Blister member first and then you'll be all set for the winter. And with that, let's get right into our conversation with Leslie Baker-Brown. All right. Well, it is 
Kristen and Kara here today, and we are joined by Leslie Baker-Brown of Blizzard Technica, and we are super excited to talk to her about her background and a whole bunch more. So, hey, Leslie, how's it going today? Great. How are you guys doing? Excited yeah. to talk to you. And where are you right now, Leslie? I'm in Vermont, and it finally got cold and a little bit of snow, which is turning to slush, but at least it's cold. Nice. Excellent. Hopefully the mountains are making snow and skiing is not too far off, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So um, let's start with, uh, for those that don't know you, and I mean, it's always good to go over your background with skiing and within the industry because it's um, pretty impressive. So could you uh, go over that, starting with uh, just your skiing background, actually? Yeah. So um, I grew up skiing. I started probably when I was two or three years old. Um, Grew up in Massachusetts, but traveled to New Hampshire every weekend. My dad loved skiing um, and just got involved in local race program at Sunapee and Pat's Peak. So I grew up ski racing back here on the East Coast. Um, and, you know, I, I made an effort to make the U.S. ski team. I did make the development team and, and I actually raced in two World Cups that were here on the East Coast. And um, then I went on to compete for Middlebury College. Um I competed there for four years. I uh, was actually three-time All-American, so that was pretty cool. Had a had a pretty successful career there and a lot of fun. <laughs> college racing is a blast. Um, and then after I graduated from college, I didn't want to give up ski racing yet. So actually at that time, there was a women's pro ski tour. So I competed on that for five years. Uh, got to travel around the country. Um, I taught windsurfing in the summers to supplement because I didn't make a whole lot of money uh but it was super fun um i then pretty much uh settled down got married uh here and lived here moved here to vermont and was looking around for a job and met up with a friend who was working for technica at the time and i was like hey have you guys got anything open there for anybody and they were like yeah we're actually looking for a sales and marketing assistant so that was back in 1989. Uh, so I'm going on my 32nd year here at Technica. Uh, so been here for all in with this company for a really long time. Nice. Well, um, you totally breezed through your, your history, which, uh, of skiing and I, yeah, I, two, like three time NC2A, uh, champion. Like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. What world cups did you race in? Were they, you said East coast world cups? Yeah, there was uh, some World Cups at Waterville Valley and one ah. at Stratton back in, I, I was in high school at the time, um, and I was asked to compete in those. So that was sort of my one and only <laughs> that World Cup race, but I, I've got that behind me. So, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. I, I actually went to a World Cup race at Waterville Valley back in the day when Tombo was racing. And Oh, funny. Yeah, it was yeah. super fun. So it's nice, yeah. to, nice to think of you racing those. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool experience. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I actually got to ski with you too. So you haven't you haven't lost any of it. So <laughs> oh, oh, I think I have, but <laughs> well, to... you're still crushing it out there. So <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Very cool. And giving tips too, which hopefully one of those days I'll get some tips from you. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, can you go in a little bit more about your work with uh, Blizzard Technica? So you started. You said in marketing department? Yeah. So I, I started in, like I said, 1989 as a sales and marketing assistant, I guess 
was my title. Um, you know, and, and just sort of worked through the company where um, our company then partnered with Vocal for a while. I just maintained, stayed on the, the Technica side, mainly working on the ski boots. Sometimes I'd get into that. We did after ski boots at the time. We had hiking shoes and I'd sort of be in and out of those. But my main focus had always been on the ski boot side of things. Um, and then we, um, our parent company purchased Blizzard skis. And when we took that on, I started doing both Blizzard skis and the Technica ski boots. Um, you know, I worked my way up to director of marketing eventually and uh, for quite a few years. And then in 2015, we started the Women to Women program. Uh, and I stepped away from my director of marketing role to take that over full time in 2019. Uh, but yeah, you know, people say, how can you stay with the same company for so long? And I have to say, every week every year was different um just in the in the products that we've been marketing and developing but also in marketing itself i mean there was no social media back in 1989 and you know websites were just coming on and so it's it's constantly been changing and a constant learning curve i just feel like every day i'm learning something new so it's it's been super easy it's not like i'm doing the same thing day in day out so it's been it's fun you know it's had its ups and downs for sure like any um job or career has um and a lot of things have changed our industry but so it's super fun to have to, to been there and, and seen all of that change yeah, that's amazing that you've been able to kind of watch that brand through a lot of different phases. And obviously, we're going to dive a whole bunch more into the Women to Women program. But before we do that, I'm just curious if you could kind of paint the picture a little bit more as far as what it looked like, like in regard to women specific gear, when you started at Blizzard Technica, and maybe what the women's side sort of looked like, and maybe how that started to evolve over the past 32 years. Yeah, so really when I started, I would have to say there was no women-specific gear. I was definitely in a unisex boot. Anything that we would have called women-specific was very low-end. Um, and so over time, obviously, that has changed, and we've worked to develop um, equipment that is specific for women. Uh, it's taken a while, you know, and, and I'd have to say that – you know, my very first meeting with the company, I was the only female in the room. It is a hard goods company. I know there's a lot more women when you get to the soft goods sides of things. Um, but I was definitely the only woman in the room for a long time. And at a lot of meetings, you know, trade shows, there, there weren't very many women that were actually in like a front trade consumer facing role. I mean, there's a lot of women in our company are... CFO is a female, our HR is female, you know, customer service, dealer services are a lot of women. Um, but in terms of being sort of, you know, market facing in the hard goods side of things, there's not a lot of women. And I'd have to say that, that there still aren't a lot of women on that side of things. Um, so that's, you know, that's been something that's <laughs> I would love to see change, um, but there are definitely some things that have to change before that can happen as well. Yeah. And then, I mean, kind of early on, how did you start thinking about women's specific gear? Like, is it something that you just saw such an obvious need for or kind of how did those early processes go as far as like, how are we going to launch into this women's side? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know it's funny because growing up ski racing, I, I I skied in all units. There was there was no women specific, and and actually there still isn't that much that's women specific unless you're on that you know high end World Cup and they're making skis specifically for you as a female. Um, so I you know I didn't really think about it that much, honestly. The equipment and I was younger and stronger and I could ski it and. I would just ski maybe shorter sizes than a guy would. Um, and then, you know, as I started branching out and, and getting more involved in, in the trade side of things with my job, um, you know, I could see that there were definitely women that were struggling with their equipment. Um, you know, I'd do clinics or, or things like that, and, and you could see that women were struggling with their equipment. And um, so we just started talking about it. At, at our company and trying to figure out what we could do to make, you know, other than the whole, the old shrink it and pink it um, <laughs> concept, um, which, you know, definitely has happened and we've done it for sure in the past. Um, and now I feel like we are really diving into where we need to make women specific equipment, what segments, what, um, uh, what type of women need women specific equipment and will benefit from it um, to really target and pinpoint where we can make those improvements. So I'm curious, and um, I'm trying to think back to my early days of skiing, and I didn't really pay attention to if there was women specific gear or not. Do you know when like, companies even started putting on different top sheets? Or was it always like, there was a point when it was just, there was one line of skis, uh, it was unisex, like no marketing to women, or you did mention like it was lower, like some of the products were lower end, if it was marketed to women, like, did you see that transition or? You know, I honestly can't remember when that transition started to happen. Um, you know, I do know that like, like in 2011 is when we came out with the first version of the Black Pearl. And there were definitely some differences there. I honestly don't know when we started. Quite a ways back, we started with women-specific ski boots. Um, the main differences being the last was tailored to a woman. The shell is still a unisex. Um, but the last and the liner is women-specific. And that, that started quite a ways back, honestly. Um, but just being more aware of it and, and then taking that and really appealing and marketing to women um, has, has really come a long way since, since those days. Um, well, I know you mentioned the Black Pearl and we're definitely going to circle back to that ski because I feel like that ski has kind of been a staple. Like in my 10 years selling skis to women, I always kind of thought of the Black Pearl as a center point. Um, and it was such an easy ski to talk about. So I really want to hear more about that. But before we get into that, let's just preface it with a kind of overview of the women to women program. And I guess what the origin of that program looked like, and um, kind of how it's evolved. But I'd really just be curious to hear you dive into the early days of women to women. Yeah. So in 2015, um, Jed Duke, who was our product manager at that time, um, approached me and said, Hey, let's, let's talk about doing a, a women's program where we can focus on, um, targeting women. I mean, women are about 40% of the market. So that's not a small percentage. Uh, so there's quite a few women out there buying equipment. A lot of women are the ones that are deciding where they're going to go on vacation. Um, so there's a lot of things that made sense to really start speaking to women more. Um, and I, 
sort of came back to him and I said, great, when do we get to meet with the product manager so we can start really making sure women are having input into the product side of things? Because to me, if we don't have the right product that we have had women involved in the development of, I didn't feel comfortable then trying to market it. Um, so they agreed. The parent company was totally on board. Um, and we had our first two focus group meetings in uh, November and December of, of 2015. They had held one in Europe, and then I held one in North America. And my goal was to gather women that were part of the industry. Um, I have and have had but have had interactions with consumers or are really good at testing product um so i have some of our athletes and ambassadors in the group i have some female retailers i have ski instructors so i have women that know the industry and are interacting with consumers um so the first meetings we just got together and uh we tested our current product. We tested competitors' products. We tried on competitor ski boots. Um, and we sat with our product managers. They came over from Italy and Austria and sat in the room with us and asked questions and we gave them feedback. Um, and that's all where it, where it started. Uh, we have since held these meetings every year. Uh, COVID, obviously, we had to take a break. But um, uh, we, I just had one. Oh, actually, Kristen, you were there when I was in Austria with the group of the European women um, in October. And I have another one scheduled for December here in North America, where we have the opportunity to uh, test current skis, future skis, prototypes, and give feedback directly to the product managers and, and engineers of the product. Uh, so it's been super critical in some of the ideas that have come out um, in moving forward. Uh, we do it with skis and with the ski boots. So it's, it's been a great process. Uh, there also is um, a test team that's on the ground in Austria because they're churning out prototypes, you know, as we're developing new products every other couple of weeks. Um, obviously, I can't get this group together to do it. But on the test team, there are two women that live right there in Austria that that go out with the test team and, and are able to give immediate feedback. And, you know, we probably test maybe the second prototype with our groups and maybe the fourth or fifth prototype. Um, so we're at least interspersing with these other people, but there is a, a group on the ground that's doing it constantly where there are some women involved. And to me, that is super important because, you know, a guy, 200 pound guy gets on a ski, he's going to flex it differently than 135 pound female is, you know, and it just makes a huge difference in the feeling of the ski and making sure we have and are giving our input back to them as we test it. So we get together with those groups. Um, it, they're super fun. The women are super fun, excited to get together and, and we test and talk a lot about product. But then we also talk about messaging to women and empowering women and and how can we make the skiing experience better for women and just come up with different ideas for whether we're going to create content or um you know we sort of came up with these four pillars of which we do everything the first one's product um the second one's education uh the third one is inspiration you know making some great content that women can see what other women are able to do. Because I think if you see a woman doing something, you think, wow, she can do it. You know, I can do that. Um, and then community building, just trying to get groups of women together to, to share the experience of skiing. So um, it's been 
really fun. I feel like we've made a lot of progress and, you know, keep coming up with new ideas. So uh, it's, it's, it's been a great way to, to progress the, the program. Nice. Yeah. And I, I did get to interact with a number of the European uh, testing group and I think they all seemed very amazing and they were fun to talk to. So it, you've put together a great program and I was glad to experience just a little bit of that. So <laughs> thanks for letting me in yeah. on that. You gave us a bit of information on how it's transformed. Can you go into a little bit more detail about that and uh, how it's evolved since its origin? Yeah. So like I said, we, we're continually doing the product side of things. Um, we work each year to create some fun and interesting content. One of the big things for me is I, I could see, um, you know, and I've experienced a, a lack of uh, women in leadership in our, in our industry. And so, you know, I started, started to dive into like, why is that? And, and I found that education was, is one of our pillars and is a super important aspect of this to me. We started, um, so we started an education scholarship program. Uh, we're in our third year, um, coming up right now. I'm actually going to be launching it on Friday. So excited to, to get that going again. Um, and last year we gave out $20,000 worth of, of scholarship money and a ski and a boot to each of the recipients. And it was things like whether they wanted to get their next level avalanche certification um, or they're working towards their guide certification and need help with some financially with, with getting to that next level. PSIA uh, certifications, you know, backcountry wilderness. I even um, gave a scholarship to a woman who's a boot fitter and, you know, wanted to get a podiatry certificate. So just a range of scholarships that we've been giving out um, that I'm, I'm really I'm proud of this program and I think that it's really helping women feel like they're worth it and to get this it gives them a little bit of a prod to, to get their next level of certification and step into more leadership roles because I think I think we're really lacking I think you know if you look at PSIA and you look at level ones and there's a lot of women you get to that level four cert and there's very few women um, and just trying to get more women elevated and, and visible in our industry I think is is super important to bringing up other women, making them feel more comfortable going to that avalanche course if they have a female avalanche instructor. Um, I think it, it can make a huge, huge difference. So I, I hope in our little way, we're doing a, a little bit to, to bring more women up in our industry and into these, these leadership roles. So that's been a, a pretty cool evolution of something that we've done um, since it started. And, you know, I just keep looking like, okay, what's next? What's next? What else can we do to, to get more women there? So when you say it's, it's about to launch, are you just putting the request for proposals out soon? Um, can you yeah. speak a little bit more about how a woman can apply for that? Is it just the US? Is it international? Just a little bit more background on that would be great. Yeah, so we are running it in the US and Canada, um, as well as Italy, Austria, Germany, and France. Um, they run it a little differently in Europe, just because their systems are a little different. Like when they go to do their ski instructor thing and certification it's they actually some of the countries they get reimbursed um or it's just very different so each of the countries is is doing the uh, recipients are just getting a little bit different thing like they are going to get a camp um with a group of women in march for germany and austria for example so but it is launching it'll be the application will be on our website um 
and we'll be promoting it on social media with links to the application. Um, so basically just, you know, telling us how much money you're looking for, what program you're trying to do. And I do ask two questions um, in the application process, you know, why they think this is important and how they're going to use this to help other women. So there's some questions that they need to answer. And, you know, last year between the U.S. and Canada, we got over about 400 applications. So I wanted to give it to everybody. It was so hard to choose the recipients because everybody just had great reasons and stories and motivations. And uh, it, they're, they're actually super inspiring to read. And it's pretty cool to see that there are so many women out there that, that want to advance. So it's, it's I, pretty cool. I heard that you read all of them last year. Is that true? Or just about? No, no, no. no. I read all of the U.S. ones, which Ah, was over 200. Um, I have a woman in Canada who's our marketing manager up there. She read the the Canadian ones. Um, And then the ones in Europe were a smaller number, and I had each of the countries read theirs and pick their their recipients. But yeah, I had to read over 200 of them, which (laughs) was hard. I had a friend apply and she was super excited about the program. And um, so I read through quite a bit of it and kudos to you guys for creating it. It's it's a very valuable asset for women, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and actually this year, um, I'm probably going to start to cry. I apologize, but we're renaming it in honor of Hillary Nelson. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I think it's so profound how you've taken this program in a really holistic way, like so far beyond the product side. I know for myself, I'm a mentee for the Aerie Women's Mentorship Program right now. And we're just constantly talking about like, how can we elevate women into these leadership roles? And I agree that that's one of the biggest things that the industry needs right now is, you know, not just bringing women all the way through to a certain point, but actually elevating them into leadership roles. So it's really cool to hear how the scholarship program is really seeking to do that. And um, so, yeah, thanks for sharing that and kind of taking a, a program that is so far beyond the product side and really like delivering some really awesome results on these other facets as well, such as education and inspiration and community building. I think that's really awesome to hear about. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm interested that you do that you're involved in a mentorship program. That's been one of the things on my list. Like, could we do that? And I just I know it's hard to get it started up and get the right people matched up. But I'd love to talk to you sometime about that. Yeah, definitely. It's been fun. It's been really, really good for me. So we can talk more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I told Kara that we should probably have a whole podcast just on that when she texts me what she was doing. I'm like, this sounds amazing. I want to learn more. I think everybody yeah. needs to learn more about this. So yeah, I, one I of think these they're days. hard to set up. And But I think it's a cool concept for sure. Because I, I would agree that, um, especially because we have so few women in leadership, that to find those mentors that are women, and, and it doesn't mean that you have to have a female mentor, but... I think it could be beneficial um, for sure because there's a little more understanding and communication is, is probably a little easier, but yeah, we all need to work together for this. <laughs> yes, we will align and unify all these different ideas. So that's great. Okay. So we briefly mentioned Black Pearl um, and the Blizzard Black Pearl is uh, widely known as the most popular or best-selling women's ski of all time is my understanding. So can you talk a little bit more about when it was first introduced and how and why you think it became the number one selling women's ski? 
So I'm going to clarify that comment because it's the number one best-selling ski, not just women ski, and has been. For, Thank you. Thank you. I don't for know five that. or five five years now. It, yeah, it's incredible. Um, I don't know how. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Important if distinction. I told everybody, though, though I, I I can't yeah, tell my yeah, secrets. Yeah, don't give away all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean we we first launched the Black Pearl, which is um, at the when we first launched it, it was um, one single ski, the Black Pearl. It was eighty eight millimeters underfoot, so it was the Black Pearl eighty eight. Uh, actually, back in twenty eleven, and we um, had done a whole. This was really a, a blizzard rebranding launch with a. a technology that we called carbon flip core that was also in the unisex bonafide and Brahma skis. Um, so it, it started then and it's evolved. That same ski is still called the black pearl 88. We eventually named the whole collection. So there's generally three skis in the collection, but the 88 is the one with the huge numbers and is the best selling, uh, unit ski in, in the country. Um, and I, I get, you know, number one, that 88 waist width is super versatile to begin with. You can ski it on the East Coast, on the ice and carve. You can take it off into the West Coast and a little bit softer. And um, I mean, it's not a powder ski, but I mean, there's not that much powder. Anyway, you know, a lot of people are skiing groomers out West as well. So it's just that is super versatile. We also have been able to make that ski um, not only versatile on the hill, but versatile for a range of female skiers. Um, and we've done that by being able to design each size specific to the target woman that's going to ski on it. So a shorter, um, you know, a ski in the 140s or 150 length is going to probably be a little bit easier for that lighter weight skier who skis on that ski, who may not, you know, she may not ski quite as fast as other women. So the, the, the length is, is designed for that. We're up to um, our longest length that we make in the Black Pearl now is a 177. Uh, and we make that ski a very strong ski because a female that's going to ski on that is a strong skier. Um, you know, I, I consider myself a strong skier and I can't ski on that ski. I'm on a 171 um, all day long. But so we really design by size so we can appeal to a, a huge range of skiers. We have an athlete that's like, yeah, I ski on the Black Pearl 88 and a 177 and I love it. And I have my mother on the Black Pearl 88 and a 156 and she loves it, you know. So just being able to really tailor it has made it super versatile. Like I said, we've gone through a lot of testing on it just to make sure that it is fun, it's easy, but you can charge on it. You know, if you want to go fast on those longer lengths, you can, and it, it is there for you every every turn. Um, so we've worked hard to be able to make a ski that that's just super versatile for a variety of conditions and a variety of women. And and I think, you know, they, they People come back in and to the ski shops and they're like, I love this ski. And I, and a shop employee will be like, I know these are not going to come back to the store with, with women not liking them. So it's an, it's an easy sell for them. Um, it's almost like Black Pearl has become its own brand <laughs> at some point. These people come in asking for the Black Pearl. They don't even know it's a blizzard ski, but <laughs> so yeah, it just has, it's had a life of its own. And I, I honestly keep thinking, okay, this is the year when the sales are going to start to decline and they haven't. So yeah, we'll just keep rolling with it and, you know, just keep making the best ski that we can. 
Nice. But, and so it was introduced in 2011 prior to the Women to Women program, but since it, the first introduction, there's been a number of iterations and women have played a, a greater role in helping redesign that ski. Is that correct? Or Yeah. And, and in 2011, I was actually um, looking back through some of our like specs and stuff. There was the core was a little bit different than the Bonafide Brahma unisex model. It was a little bit lighter. We termed it a lightweight core um there was less metal in it so there were things that they were doing to the black pearl back in 2011 and each year we really just started to make more and more changes the biggest change i would say was in 2016 after our first meeting where the construction really changed from uh the unisex model the unisex models had two sheets of of tetanol metal in them um and we made the black pearl with um, a unidirectional carbon so it was lighter but still you know a solid ski so there was really the the big change and and much more differentiation in the construction to appeal to women and targeted towards women you know, the year after we started the the Women to Women program. Yeah, that's neat. And I mean, I actually started working at a ski shop in 2011. And so it's been really cool for me to kind of track the changes of the Black Pearl through the years and also like have my own experiences with it, especially the Black Pearl 97 right now being one of my favorite, like very stable all mountain skis. Um, I also prefer the 171, but the fact that it is can be such a strong ski and yet there's still quite a bit of versatility within the Black Pearl lineup, I think is really awesome and definitely impressive as far as how that ski has been designed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting. There was one year that I felt like we made it too light because I feel like there's, there's lightweight and then there's the right weight. You know, if you make a ski that's too light, it gets unstable at speed, but it also can get pushed around. So we had a year that I feel like we went a little too far on a lightweight. And so we were able to then bring it back to where it seemed to to perform a little bit better. So it's been, it's been, uh, it's been great to have that input into the, to the design of the skis. So you mentioned the black pearl ski that you're on, but what is your, if you get one pair of skis or what is your go-to pair of skis for most days out on the mountain? I, I, my, my go-to ski is the black pearl 88. Um, I live here on the East coast. Um, occasionally we'll get some deeper snow and I can ski on it in that as well. I am lucky that I do work for the company. So my second ski is a Shiva 10 for deeper days and softer snow. <laughs> and, and what yeah. length again, did you prefer the black Pearl in? A 171. Uh, sweet. Okay. That's Karen. I too. It sounds like so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, I love that ski. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. So then I guess we'll just dive a little bit onto the boot side. Um, so for listeners who haven't heard, I spoke to Sam Tischendorf for the first two parts of that series, and she's been a really instrumental part in the Women to Women initiative on the boot fitting side, because that's obviously where her expertise lies. But I was just curious if you had anything you'd want to add as far as how the boot side has kind of transformed over the years and maybe what that iterative process has looked like for designing women-specific ski boots, given that there wasn't that many women-specific options not too long ago. Yeah. So Sam is awesome. Um, She has been part of our women's focus group since it began. But before we started the women's focus group, we had um, just Technica in general, we have a group of boot fitters. We call them Project 165. P165 is the Pantone color of our orange boots. Um, But we've gotten together with them every twice a year probably to just talk about Technica Boots in general and the future of. Um, and she is a part 
a member of that group as well. And she brings some great, um, she just schools the guys with her knowledge on feet and the bones and the, you know, the podiatry that goes behind it. Uh, so it's been super fun. But then she, you know, she comes to our, our women's focus group meetings and also listens to the women there. Um, you know, and we all talk about what issues we have with our feet. Um, cause we all have them. Everybody's feet are different. Um, it's, it's just really complicated, but so she's been able to bring her expertise, listening to the women on the focus group meeting and then working with the project 165 group as well, uh, has really been able to make some fine tuning on, on our ski boots. For example, we really dove into how a woman's, uh, calf muscle generally is attached lower on the leg, sits lower on the leg and how so many women have issues with the cuff of the boot. So we've come up with some solutions there on how we can make those adjustments. Um, so yeah, we've, um, we, we look at things, for example, how a woman's calf muscle sits lower on her leg and is attached lower on the, on the leg and can have issues with the cuff being able to close around, around the lower leg. So we've come up with solutions working with our product managers to address, um, the, the calf and the foot shape. And then, you know, everybody's got some problem fit areas. Um, women tend to have narrower heel, wider forefoot. So we have come up with some solutions in the liners as well as in the shells of what we can do for those customizations. But, you know, having Sam be on both sides and then working with our project managers has, has really helped us advance in our, in our women's boots. I also think that we have pushed really hard to make sure that we are building a 22.5. <laughs> that is something that our brand manager and our boot managers always know I'm going to bring up when we're introducing a new collection, um, as well as uh, stiffer boots. You know, we've got our, a Coaches Pro and a Mock Pro that are a 115 flex. Um, people always are like, why don't you have a 130 flex in a women's boot? Um, and really, it's a, it's a question of quantities. There, there's so few women that can flex that boot that I can't convince my the manufacturing team to build a small quantity of those. But yeah, well, and of course you do you do build like the zero G Pro in a twenty two. It's just not women yes. specific. So there is offerings on this different for women. Yeah, uh, yeah, all of our like our unisex like a Mach one one thirty that is a one thirty flex. We have it available in a twenty two five. So the, the stiffer boots we do have available in the smaller sizes if we don't make them in the women's specific boot. Yeah, that's awesome to hear a bit more about the, the boot side, um, kind of hearing what Sam had to say and then also hearing about how it's kind of changed through the years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, boots being very important and probably even a bigger barrier when it comes to keeping women in the sport. So it's good that you've addressed that. Yeah, and I, I try to do a lot of I do some events in stores where we bring women in and I talk a lot about getting the right boot and making sure, for example, I tell them, you know, if you can only buy one piece of equipment, buy boots because you date your skis, but you marry your boots and they're the connection to the snow and it makes a huge difference. So. Yep. That's the the old adage that is very important. So you heard it here from Leslie. (laughs) Well, it's been really interesting to hear, I guess, the Technica journey over the last 32 years from your perspective and how much has changed and progressed. And I think it's really hopeful to hear all the changes and also just knowing in my own lifetime as a skier how much I've seen change and all that gives me hope. 
So I would just like to hear you talk about what makes you the most excited for the future in regard to women and skiing, or I guess just over the past few years, what's been the most inspirational thing you've witnessed um, as you've built this program? Yeah, I would have to say that the number of women that I've seen in our industry moving up has been awesome. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I get really excited when I see these all women's ski films uh, produced by women, featuring all women. So for so many years, the production companies would have their token female. Um, and, and what I'm finding is how many women are supporting each other more. Um, I just... I, I can see that they're trying to build each other up and, and work together as opposed to, I, I do believe in the past, it was, there was a little bit of like, out of my way, I, I want this one spot on this film or I, you know, it, I, I really see a difference now. Um, so that to me is super exciting, you know, back to the scholarship, just the number of women I see wanting to advance into leadership roles and, and how they want to bring other women in into our industry, the number of BIPOC communities that we're starting to attract and work with and try to also bring into our sport is super important. So I, I you know, I get excited to see what we can do. And I, I love just seeing more women supporting women and, and more women like you. Look, we're three women here doing this podcast. So that's super cool. Nice. Yeah, we had, um, like, I, I think I've always taken it for granted that I have friends that are girls that ski and I get to ski with them. And like, we'll get on and say like ladies chair or something like that, or we'll just ski together and stuff. But there was an instance um, at our Blister Summit last year where a woman, and I think Kara, was it you that had her out there? And she had remarked that this was the first time she ever actually skied with another female. And just like, okay, we're doing this. Let's let's make this more of a thing. Like somebody shouldn't wait 20 years for that to happen. Right. Um, yeah. So it's and, nice and to I see love it. skiing with the guys that I work with mm -hmm. my husband and, and don't get me wrong. It's super fun to go out and co-ed groups and, and that, but there's something special when you get together with a group of women, um, just the support and the openness and it, it just can be super fun. Yeah. I love the lady ski days. <laughs> Yeah. So Leslie, uh, where would you like to see some improvements made in the future? Uh, you know, I would have to say that this is just a general comment on women in any industry. Um, there's definitely still things like unconscious bias out there towards, towards women. You know, the issue of raising a family and having a career, childcare issues. I mean, I think they affect our industry, as well as every other industry that women are, are trying to move into leadership roles in. So there's things that we need to do, whether, you know, it's at our, our companies or at ski areas with, with childcare or, you know, DEI training and unconscious bias training, I think are super important things that we as an industry and as a... <laughs> as a community as a whole need, need to work on. I, I think, you know, there are just some underlying things that are, are going to be in our way of, of moving forward. And I think they are larger issues, larger than just the, the sports industry. And, you know, maybe it's exacerbated in, in the sporting good industry because sports is, is pretty male dominated um, and it's a pretty testosterone filled thing. So, you know, maybe it's, it, it's accentuated in our industry, but I, I do think that there's a lot of things that need to happen before we can really make that next step. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think the biggest 
point that you brought up earlier that's really resonated is the leadership part. And I think that that not only applies to like women in, um, you know, snow science and guiding and all these other fields, but also thinking about like women as leaders, as like product designers and, you know, roles within companies that, you know, they can really have a handle on that um, design and prototyping process. So I think there's leadership kind of needed across the board and um, to be able to build that into a lot of what we're doing is something I'm thinking about. And your point on the childcare, and I know it's been worse through pandemic, but with a four-year-old, it's like having, not having that support is so tricky. And now with like, it's even harder, like if, well, I guess it's better this winter, but last winter, if your kid had a sniffle, you're out for 10 days type of thing. It's like, what do you do then? Like, how are you supposed to grow in your career or find that work-life balance if you have so many things pulling you in so many different directions? So yeah, it's good to keep all of that in mind and trying to figure out how to... I don't know how people, women, anybody with children through the pandemic survived. My my children are, are all grown and, and moved away. Um, you know, and, and I will say that when I was raising my children, I I think my career sort of maybe stagnated. And a lot of it was because, number one, I didn't want to travel that much. I didn't, you know, I didn't have kids to be away from them. Um, I wanted to be able to go to their lacrosse games. And I coached them in ski racing for 15 years in our local program. So, um, you know, I sort of made a little bit, I would say, some sacrifices. I think in, in our industry, especially on the brand side, you got to be able to travel, you know, and go to trade shows and to retailer launches and just be able to do all those things. So, um there there's that side of it and and it was a choice i made you know i i um i'm one that i'm happy that i made uh so but it is it's hard the, the whole the situation and trying to raise a family and who the burden usually falls on i i think it's that's another awareness and i do think that it's definitely changing some but yeah there's there's still some you know greater issues that need to be addressed and overcome um before we we're going to see more women moving into those roles. Yeah. Issues that are, yeah, much broader on a whole societal level, not even within the industry. So it's like we have to tackle some kind of larger uh, societal issues before some of this maybe is solved. But we can do what, what we have power to do within the industry wherever we can. Yeah. But, and, and I think we're in a, in a great time because those issues are being brought to the forefront on a societal level. So, um, yeah, we've got we've got a movement behind us. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is really nice to see the level you have attained as a as a mother and as a professional. So it's nice that in all sorts of different ways, how you're leading this um, this community. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> Good. Yeah, nothing's more inspiring than than seeing women who are mothers, and so much more than that too. And I just I love always. <laughs> thinking about those people and like they I really idolize that because it's like you can balance professional and family goals and really make it all happen. It's not easy and sometimes it's not pretty, but you know <laughs> and it's exhausting. <laughs> and it's and Kristen's doing it too. So Kristen, you're my inspiration <laughs> yeah, as well. She is. She's, <laughs> she's right Trying. in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for everybody that I'm sure everybody's going to love this conversation. I, I love it already. But Leslie is going to be out at the Blister Summit this February in Crested Butte. Whomever is at the summit 
get a chance to meet her in person, uh, hit the slopes with her, and she'll be on a panel session. So we, we have a lot more coming from Leslie, and we couldn't be more excited. So um, anything you want to say about that, Leslie? Or I, I, I'm excited to come and, and see what it's all about and go ski. Yeah. And then have some really good, interesting conversations. Yeah, that's super exciting. Can't wait to ski with you and talk more with you. And we're really glad you're going to make it out to Crested Butte to hang out with us. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks so much, Leslie, for taking the time today. It was a great conversation. And I think it's very informative for women and everyone else in this space, just uh, wanting to hear more about women to women and maybe how it's become a model for the industry. So thanks so much for sharing that and taking the time today. Awesome. All right. Well, you heard it here, everybody. Leslie Baker Brown will be at the Blister Summit, and she's obviously a very awesome and incredible person, not to mention a super badass skier. So come join us. And that then brings us to this week's edition of what we're celebrating. So Kristen, what are you celebrating this week? Well, I'm recording this episode from my hometown, from my parents' house where I grew up in my uh, pink wallpapered bedroom in Littleton, New Hampshire. I'm excited to be back home and I'm excited for the holidays. See um, one of my brothers and his family and spend more time with my family in general. So I have a little down and get my little bit of a fill of the East Coast for, for November. So how about you, Kara? What are you celebrating? Oh, that's wonderful. And yes, it's a good time to be with family and super glad you can make the trip out there. So this week I am celebrating. Um, as I mentioned on the episode, I have been spending a bunch of time with my airy women's mentorship cohort and our amazing mentors. And I just wanted to speak to the conversations we've been having. They've been uplifting and empowering, and they've really helped me um, getting ready for this season, going in with the goals that I know I have. So thanks so much to all the ladies who are building each other up and encouraging these conversations and just also being complete badasses and being so inspirational. So thanks to everyone who's providing that and getting me super fired up for the season, including Leslie and Kristen, who I hope to ski with soon. So thanks so much to Leslie for joining us on this episode. Thanks, of course, to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to all of you, our listeners, for tuning in. And everyone else, have a really safe and happy holiday. And we'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.